Welcome to The Compliance Files, brought to you by Compliance Institute. The Compliance Files is a unique podcast series, giving you access to industry insights and key perspectives on how the evolving regulatory landscape is driving change, bringing challenge and opportunity for compliance professionals everywhere. Hello and welcome to The Compliance Files podcast of The Compliance Institute. I'm Rob Farrell, a member of The Compliance Institute Council and a digital transformation lecturer, trainer, and speaker. It's my great pleasure for me to host the podcast with you. Now, the importance of continuing training throughout our careers is recognized widely. A European Commission publication on adult education notes, a multitude of evidence has been gathered over the years showing that adult education and training, both formal and non-formal, can contribute to individuals' employability, health, and well-being. Okay, so to truly be effective, the learning we do is it's about more than simply taking in information according to the recommendation, which says that in the knowledge economy, memorization of facts and procedures is key, but it's not enough for progress and success. Skills such as problem solving, critical thinking, ability to collaborate, creativity, computational thinking, self-regulation and more are more essential than ever before in our quickly changing society, the recommendation says. Now, according to other research from the European Commission, they say that the type of information we require is also constantly changing. According to the report, competent needs are not static. They change throughout lives and across generations. It is therefore important to make sure that all young people and adults have the opportunity to acquire the required competencies in initial education and training, higher education, continuous professional training, adult education, or different forms of non-formal and informal learning. So what we can see from all this research is that education is constant. It's not something that stops in our 20s and wraps up and calls it a day. Opportunities to learn can come every minute of every day in our personal and our professional lives. By becoming more knowledgeable and more efficient, you're not only able to safeguard your career, but it also gives you the power that you need to be able to drive yourself forward. On today's podcast, I'm delighted to welcome our guest, Evelyn Cregan. Evelyn is the company secretary and director of education with IOB. She is a highly experienced chartered accountant working in professional membership associations with many, many years experience in education, financial services, and not-for-profit sectors. Evelyn, welcome to today's podcast. Rob, it's great to be here. Thank you. So we have a great session lined up with tons of questions we're going to talk about with education. But before we get into that, maybe you could tell us a little bit more about you and some of your experience. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, very happy to. So I suppose, as you said, going back over the many years of experience, it started a long time ago. I was lucky enough to go to college in UCD and I did a, a commerce degree there. And I suppose similar to a lot of people at the Times, so I then went on to the accountancy route. So I trained as a chartered accountant with Stokes Kennedy Crowley, now better known as KPMG. And I suppose that was a really exciting time because when I was qualifying, it was just after maybe when a lot of people had had to emigrate and leave. But what was exciting in Ireland was that the financial services was really beginning and taking off. So around sort of Dublin 2 and Dublin 4, there was a lot of companies based and they ultimately transitioned down to the IFSC. 
So in um, back in the early mid 90s, I joined one of those companies and worked in the IFSC for about eight years, 10 years. And I suppose, you know, opportunities were great. The company I worked for was uh, NatWest Reinsurance. It was a, a direct subsidiary of NatWest, a sister company of Ulsterbank. And in my latter years there, I was the managing director. So from there, I took a slight career change. And I suppose it's funny the way things line up. It wasn't exactly what I was expecting, but I ended up moving out to UCD and lecturing in UCD for about what about, I'd say nearly 15 years. And then I moved, I suppose, back into the business end of education and worked in the head of school in Dublin Business School. And you and I met there um, many years ago. And from there, moved to a fantastic organisation, the Compliance Institute, spent some very happy years working there and then on to my current role in the Institute of Banking. So I've been very much sort of financial services and education based um, with that membership piece over the last number of years. I have had lots of learnings along the way, both formal and informal, but we might talk more about those as we go through the conversation. Sure. So Evelyn, I mean, with your extensive experience, it sounds to me that education and improving yourself, improving your knowledge is really part of your DNA, not only because of the work you've been doing, but because of the the different variety over time. Would that be right to say? Yeah, very much so. Very much so. And it wouldn't have been something that I would have consciously set out to do. But I mean, I found that over the years I, I've kept in doing like formal education. I obviously trained as a chartered accountant. I've recently just completed the uh, Chartered Governance Institute or previously known as the, the Chartered Secretaries exams. Um, and uh, along the way, have done many other formal courses. But what I think we're going to touch on today is the the growth and the all the different types of learning that you can do and, and how we're learning all the time and how we need to learn all the time and why. And I think that's part of the conversation we're going to have that's going to be really interesting. Absolutely. You're, you're right. I mean, learning, it's not static. It's something that we need to keep on doing both to achieve our career goals, but also to respond to changes that are happening around us in our industry and so forth. So let's kick into that conversation. One of the things I'd like you to help me with is let's help the audience to understand just some of the lingo. So maybe you could tell us what is upskilling? What is reskilling? What is continuous learning? What are these things and help the audience understand that? Yeah, very interesting question. And as you said, they are terms we're hearing a lot about lately. So um, in thinking about this, I suppose examples always are, are, are probably the best way. But upskilling is the term used today when we talk about any of us or in a, in a, in a work context, an employee learning a new skill. And this is something that will add to their ability to do their job or to live their lives in a better way. And I suppose the example that jumps to mind to me most quickly was you know, when the COVID pandemic hit and and thankfully we're moving on from that, but how quickly all of us got used to holding meetings on Zoom or Teams, both in our our work scenarios very definitely, but also at home, because, you know, when many people, you know, were, I suppose, in isolation for so long, particularly elderly people, the, the difference being able to talk to somebody on FaceTime, even as opposed to, you know, just over the phone, the difference that connection made with people. So upskilling, I suppose, comes about because there's a need and the whole, I'll use other terms and we can talk about them more, but the whole, I suppose, transformation that's going on, the digitalization, everything that's happening around us 
means that, you know, just to stay still, we have to upskill every day. You know, social media has has arrived and is, is prevalent across all of our lives in ways that 20 years ago we couldn't even imagine. So we tend to upskill all the time. Some of it's formal, some of it's less formal, but that, that would be the upskilling part. I suppose the reskilling part is it's connected to upskilling, but reskilling is more when in, in a work context, when when an employee maybe has to move to a different part of the organization. So if we were to look at, say, people working in compliance, sometimes they might start their career in compliance. But many other times somebody might come from another part of the organization. So somebody who's in a, a customer facing role might decide that they'd actually like to move back up into the business and move into the compliance role. And that's reskilling where, you know, certain parts of the business and how they work but maybe you want to work in a different area. And to do that, then you need to learn new, both technical and soft skills. And they're two concepts that we look at again, maybe later on. And some people are being forced to reskill. I mean, we're seeing, you know, particularly in the, in the banking sector, we're seeing two of the largest banks, Ulster Bank and KBC, leaving the market. And there is huge growth in the financial services sector throughout international banking and the funds. But all of that requires maybe a new set of skills. So we see it happening in that space. And I suppose to your final point about continuous learning, I, I suppose continuous learning to me is about being curious. It, it's, it's about wanting to know and understand more of what's going on around us. And whether it's down to like us having this conversation about the terminologies, it can be very informal. And then particularly in the Institute of Banking and Compliance Institute members will be very familiar with this. If you have a qualification that requires you from a minimum competency code and MCC perspective, you are required to undertake formal continuous learning. And that's our continuing professional development, as we all uh, lovingly know as CPD. So there's lots of reasons why we might do it, but that that would be, I suppose, maybe just a very uh, quick run through what, what the definitions mean. So one of the things I'm getting from that is that some of it is responsive to the environment. It's responsive to our jobs, to our company. So now that the audience know the difference between upskilling, reskilling and continuous learning, what are the benefits to the audience when they invest their time doing it? Well, I suppose the benefits are huge. I mean, you know, the, the concept of one job for life doesn't exist anymore. I mean, you might be in a profession, you might be an accountant or a solicitor or a compliance professional, you, you might have a profession, but within that, it's it's not possible to, to continue to operate on the original knowledge that you learned to the original technical skills. So the benefits of upskilling, I suppose, and, and reskilling are simply just you need to do it to stand still. Like the world, as you said, is evolving so much and concepts that, that you know, we, we, we think about ESG um, and we think about digital and we think about different words that are there now that just weren't in our vocabulary, maybe wrongly or rightly, whatever, but weren't in our vocabulary, you know, 15 or 20 years ago. So the benefits, number one, are just enabling you to stay in your job and stay competitive. The real benefit, I suppose, I think, though, is that to, to really achieve your own personal potential and to really get fulfillment out of what you do, you do need to have that curious appetite. You, you, it, It's really important to want to continuously learn. And, you know, from, I suppose, we start off in life as, as young children and, you know, they are constantly learning all the time. And if, if you ever sort of 
spend a lot of time with with elderly relatives or friends, the ones that are continually curious are the ones that still seem to have a big appetite for life. And then we're all in the middle in between. So from a work perspective, but I think even outside a work perspective, it is that curiosity about information and the way education is being delivered now by both ourselves and IOB about the content that the Compliance Institute are doing, even these podcasts and your ICQ and all of the other things that exist. I suppose these are all feeding into content that's allowing people to continuously learn. And it goes from there the whole way up to people taking the accredited courses and getting the degrees. So I think there's a whole load of benefits. One of the things we see, and it's one of our proudest days in IOB, and I think Compliance Institute does the same, is if you ever attend the graduations, and these are for the formal accredited courses that that, that people have done. And if you think that the average age of the student in IOB is 40 years of age. The excitement and the pride of people collecting their certificates on the day and many come with young families or come with older parents um, or come with their adult children. It never seems to stop and people never stop being proud of what they achieve because usually to, to get there, you've really had to challenge yourself. You, you've put yourself out there publicly if you do an accredited course because you know, you have to pass the exams or the assessment. And so I think fueling that personal ambition and achieving your potential are the real benefits of, of continually learning. I, I agree with you. I mean, graduation is one of my favorite days in the calendar. It, it, it's at the end of a long journey, sleepless nights, endless cups of coffee, family yeah. and friends getting told next week, I'll see you. It all begins to pay off. It's that kind of breather. And it's also a, a time to just socially catch back up with the rest of your class. Uh, yeah, I agree with you, Evelyn. Graduation is always the highlight. It gets into my calendar every single year. <laughs> so, so you've been telling us about upskilling, reskilling, continuous learning and the benefits. One of the other things I suppose we can, we can just kind of bring the audience up to speed on is we've been talking about how you actually do the learning, how you do the upskilling through formal and non-formal methods. Maybe you could just clarify and give examples of what, what's the difference between the formal options and those kind of non-formal informal options? Well, that's yeah, a lovely question. So at a point in time, uh, learning was, it, it was, it was tended to be uh, driven towards the formal learning. So you either did a training course and work and you got a certification for it, or you did a you undertook one of the accredited UCD programs that that we provide in conjunction with, with the Compliance Institute. And, you know, th there's massive advantages in doing that and there's recognition in relation to that learning. But what we're seeing now, particularly in in times of transformation, when things are moving very quickly and people are under a lot more pressure to keep up on a more regular basis. So now we would have a lot more informal learning and we've everything from what we call micro pieces where bite-sized pieces of learning where you could go in and it could be 10 minutes, 15 minutes, half an hour learning where you either listen to a podcast or a TED talk or you, you read an article. And what we're doing in IOB, and I know Compliance Institute does similar things, what we're doing is we're curating that content. So we launched a new platform last year, IOB Learn. And on that platform, we have various channels that, you know, we've a compliance channel, we have well-being channels, we have digital channels, funds channels, and all of these channels curate content. Information is very widely available, but you don't always know what you should be reading or 
you know, what makes sense. So this is something that we've um, worked really hard on. And what we're in the currently was launched literally in the last number of weeks and is just coming on the market now is that we've introduced a number of skills certificates. And these are, say, 25 hours of learning. So there's one coming up for compliance. There's one for funds. And what these do is that they the 25 hours is a mixture of some pre-recorded videos, live classes, some readings, and you do some MCQ tests that just validates and reinforces the learning. And you get a certificate at the end. And this is enabling people who are maybe it's again, it's back to that reskilling and upskilling, but it's helping people. The, the, the term we sometimes use in IOB is if you wanted to try on a career in compliance. So if you're working in an organization and you're sort of thinking, mm, I'd really like to work in compliance, but I don't really know what it's like taking this program for, say, 25 hours allows you to get a really good feel if you'd like compliance or similarly, if you like risk or if you want to work in customer advice. So the different types. So we have our micros, which are small bite sized pieces of learning. We have non-accredited learning, which is courses provided by the likes of IOB or certified by Compliance Institute. We then have a lot of our members will be familiar with our ECPD modules. So this is where whatever designation the member holds, the LCI or the FCI or the chartered banker, whatever the designation is, there's a requirement to undertake learning. And this, again, could be like watching a video or a recording for an hour and then doing a test at the end to validate the recording. We then have live webinars that people attend, and then that goes all the way up to accredited learning. And that's where you get your university uh, qualification. So there's so many different ways, depending on where you are in your career, some people like to get the badges and like to get the certification and others are quite happy just to sort of continue and learn and be knowledgeable. Because I think, Rob, that's the big thing. Knowledge is power. Like if, you, if you're informed and you're up to date on, you know, what's going on around you in the industry and in the economy, you can contribute a lot more. And there's an area of interest for everybody. You know, it could be digital. It could be around culture. It could be around, you know, how to best improve hybrid working. So it can be on a technical side or it can be on a soft skill side. But all of them contribute to how you actually do your job. That's a fantastic line that you said there, Evelyn, about, about knowledge is power. And the more knowledge we have, the more we can contribute to our business. Yeah. Because the world is changing. I mean, we, we've seen the pandemic and one of the things I'm constantly reading from the research is it's saying that we're in a point of time with unprecedented change and the speed of change is so fast. So it really is important, isn't it, that folks really take that time out to be able to increase their knowledge, increase their skills to just, as you said earlier on, to just stand still, you know, just to keep where you are in your seat today. We always need to be learning. So that kind of looks at the idea of lifelong learning. And in your own mind and your own experience, why do you think lifelong learning is so important? Yeah, lifelong learning really has come into its own in, in the last number of years. And what's amazing about it is, you know, a lot of people start out and they finish school and, you know, they maybe have the opportunity to go to college or they go to an apprenticeship or you take up an apprenticeship where they start working and they learn on the job, whichever way it is. And they sort of have this view when they start off that, you know, oh, well, I'll just get my first set of exams done and then I'll be, you know, finished and that'll be done. But as you said, 
what's happening in the world now, and we say it's unprecedented, and yes, it is because it's happening very quickly. But I suppose if in reality, if you look back over time, there's always been periods of massive learning, you know, right back in the last 100, 150 years. But as of now, the thing we're seeing more and more now that is it's really, really encouraging is that people are continuing to learn and to engage the whole way through their careers. And what's really powerful to see is the leaders of organizations actually setting an example and continuing learning themselves. And we've had so many senior executives from across the financial service industry partake in the programs and partake in the masterclasses and get involved in the CPD and demonstrating that they need to keep learning. And I suppose that's maybe a change because in the past, the more senior you got in a role, there might have been a little bit of a fear factor. You know, if I undertake a leadership course, is somebody going to think that I don't think I'm a competent leader? You know, but that's really changed now. And what we see across the, the senior leaders in the organizations is that they are engaging in lifelong learning. They are constantly looking for more information to keep up to date, to make sure that they're leading their businesses. And this is both on the technical skills and on the non-technical, sometimes referred to as the soft skills. And if you look at if you were giving advice to anybody in their at their career, at any stage of their career, if you look at somebody's CV, CV is a live living document. And unless you're updating it all the time with what you're doing and how you're ensuring that you're keeping up to date and that you're keeping abreast of what's going on in the organization, like why would an employer want to employ you over somebody that can demonstrate that they are doing this all the time? So as I said before, some people are naturally curious and they find it much easier to keep and learn and continually look for new things, but everybody can do it. And what's important is that it's now no longer an add-on. It needs to be part of your everyday. You need to build lifelong learning into your daily and your weekly routine and work. So if you think that stopping for half an hour, you know, to read up on stuff or to do stuff is maybe a luxury, it's not. It's not. And you'll get so much payback from it and it'll just keep your horizons open. It'll keep you thinking. It'll keep you maybe developing your business in new ways. So from a personal level, it's really important, as I said before as well, to be happy in doing your job. You need to fulfill your own potential. You need to know that you are constantly challenging yourself and that you're constantly improving and you're being the best version that you can be every day. And lifelong learning feeds into that. It gives us confidence. It makes us walk a bit taller and it just makes us feel, as I said, that we have that knowledge. And then from an employer perspective, it's every employer's dream that their employees will continue lifelong learning because that's growing. Businesses are made up of the people that work in them. So if everybody in the business is open to learning, it can only be getting better. A few moments ago, you you kind of made a good distinction. You spoke about it's important to be able to balance the technical and the soft skills. And I know for me, when I think about learning, it's it's the technical ones are the ones I start off with. You want to be able to do your job. You want to know about the regulation. You want to be able to use that new piece of software that's coming in. Yeah. With the soft skills, they're also really, really important. And, and sometimes we forget about those. So What's your views on, on the soft skills and why they're so important for, for the audience? 
So I totally agree with you. Okay, you have to have technical skills to be able to do your job. And particularly if you're working in the world of financial services, it's a heavily regulated industry. And so you, you, you have to understand what you're doing and you have to follow the rules and make sure that, you know, you're compliant with the, the way things that are, are meant to be done. So the technical skills are, I suppose, have to. But the soft skills are, I suppose, how you do your job. And I think it's not that they were ever underestimated, that they were important. But I think the reason that they didn't get as much prominence as they are maybe today is because there was possibly a view that, you know, you were born with these skills. You sort of had them or you didn't have them. So what am I talking about when I'm talking about soft skills? I mean, we're talking about things like communication skills. We're talking about leadership skills, work ethic, how you work. Are you dependable? What's your adaptability like? How do you, you know, are you good at decision making? Do you have initiative? So like these are areas where people didn't feel maybe you could measure them. They didn't necessarily feel you could teach them. And again, back to what I said, that maybe you were just born with them. And what we've developed now over the last number of years is a realization that you can grow these skills, you can develop them, you can become better at what you do. And we've begun a lot more training and I suppose recognition that it's the how we do these things. And I suppose if we also look at the fact that organization culture and particularly across financial services, has become much more under the spotlight. The Central Bank released a report back in 2018. And, you know, even the Irish Banking Culture Board was established. And how it, it works in both ways, it's it's predominantly to make sure that the, cost, the customer and the consumer is being served in the best possible way. But it's also really important from an employee perspective that they, you know, are comfortable and happy in the, in the place where they work and how they work. And all of the things that a business needs to make sure that it has the right culture and that it is ensuring that the consumer is being protected and looked after is effectively how the technical skills are implemented by the employee. And it is the soft skills that I suppose differentiate all of us. So you and I, Rob, can go in for the same job and we can have the same attributes from the point of view of doing the same technical training. But when it comes down to how we interact at the interview and how we interact with our colleagues, that's our soft skills. And I'm delighted to say this year, actually, that we've recognised this and we've introduced a new module on the MSC and compliance, compliance leadership. And compliance leadership looks at, I suppose, the different leadership types and the different leadership styles so that people can recognise them and maybe understand how to interact with them. And then looks at things like negotiation skills, influencing skills and communication. I suppose recognising that soft skills are important in every role, but they're more important in some roles and definitely in the role of the compliance professional, being able to develop and enhance those soft skills we would see in IOB and I think with Compliance Institute is a really, really important element. I think you've hit on a good point there. You know, soft skills are like a multiplier. They take your technical skills, they take your experience and they multiply it out to the new job that you're doing, the new person that you're trying to work with, the new department that you're in. And that's really, really important for compliance professionals at the moment, because as people around the organization look to compliance professionals for guidance, it really is important to be able to communicate clearly, ask the right questions, give the right information, influence up 
and across in the organization, not just with the people in our department who know compliance, but to those who know that they need to be aware of compliance and they don't fully understand it as much as the compliance professional might. So I agree with you that the, the soft skills are absolutely key. Going back onto something you mentioned at the start of today's podcast, you mentioned the idea of upskilling and reskilling being important for where we're going in our career. We might be moving up in the organization, across, we might be going to another industry. So a question I'm sure is on the audience's mind is, if I've built up all these skills and competencies, are they transferable? Yeah, great question. And absolutely. And, you know, if I go back and you're celebrating the 20 year anniversary of the start and the establishment of the Compliance Institute, and I suppose that actually, if I go back in time there is a really interesting point because the the people that actually established the Compliance Institute and were involved from the beginning and several are still involved today, they were all in middle stages in their careers. They were all well settled into their careers and they all recognized the need for compliance and they brought what they had from their own careers into compliance and then developed out the Compliance Institute. So you've been demonstrating this in in Compliance Institute from the very beginning. But yes, skills and competencies are transferable. And I think what we're finding is that in the work we're doing in IOB at the moment and on the Skills Accelerator and Skills Ignite program, partly what we're doing is helping people identify what their skills are and what their competencies are and then showing them how they can use those skills and competencies in a different way in a different role so it's unearthing them in one point because people mightn't recognize that in their job maybe they influence people or in their job you know they're constantly communicating or they're in decision making roles or whatever leadership roles so what we're trying to do is is help people recognize what they have and I suppose how to leverage what they have and bring that experience into maybe a new opportunity, as you said, whether it's reskilling or whether it's upskilling. Okay. So I'd say at this point in the podcast, the audience understands what is upskilling, reskilling, continuous learning. They know the benefits, they know the difference between the technical skills and the scoff skills. I think they're on the same page as us. They're probably asking themselves, how do they identify the right skills and how do they build them? So what guidance do you have for them about their next steps and how they can move forward? Yeah, good question. So I suppose when I was thinking about this, I took a step back and I was thinking about like, you know, how, how do we do that in IOB? Because in IOB along and with Compliance Institute, when we're developing our programs and we're developing the content for our members, and with 34,000 members in IOB, we have a very broad spectrum of members. How do we try and be ahead? So to be a good membership organization, you want to be delivering the content to the members ahead of when, or at least at when they need it, okay? And not coming in behind, you know, when the gap has, has opened up. So what, how we would do that is I suppose we work very closely with um, IFS Skillnet, um, a government body that is set up to, I suppose, look at and strengthen the international financial services community in Ireland by expanding skill base. And they've done a lot of research along with the IDA and they've, they've identified various areas within financial services that need to be looked at. Things like, you know, international banking, the insurance, fintech, and the whole development of the asset managed industry and like sustainable finance and fintech are two areas that have been highlighted. 
And it's interesting that both IOB and Compliance Institute have fintech programs and we're involved together on the sustainable finance program so we are there so i suppose in identifying for, for an individual to identify the skills that they might want to build what you need to look at is what's happening in your organization so we all know that for example in the banking sector in particular we huge strides in digitalization everything is moving to be done digitally, to be done more efficiently. And if you want to stay pace with that, you need to develop the skills. So the skills might be, it depends where you are and what part you want to be in. So you could be on the end that you want to upskill in data and data analytics and, you know, be able to interpret the information better or decide what can be done with the information. You could be in the compliance stage and you could be looking at, you know, what are the implications of this all this massive digitalization and data protection. You could be working in AML and you could be saying, well, if all this digitalization is coming in, how do I ensure that I can leverage it on the regulatory sort of, you know, fintech side, but yet make sure that we meet all of the other requirements that are needed about consumer protection and, and AML, et cetera, or data protection. So we see new areas developing and the government are calling those out, as I said, um, the environmental, social and governance, the sustainable finance, artificial intelligence and digitalization. So I think as individuals, we've got to think, what do I need to do my job better? And then as the training managers in organizations, you've got to see what do your employees need to enable your company to do its, its job better and to, to stay competitive and to, I suppose, win that new business out there. So it's, it's a combination of both, Rob. I think it is the identifying the skills that are needed for the organization and then helping the employees in the organization have access to the training and, and for, to enable them to, to acquire those skills. And then as an individual, I think we all recognize now that, you know, the days of early retirement are sort of long since gone. If we're going to stay working, we're going to have to stay engaged. So for us, it's important that we we identify the things that we like doing. We identify the areas that we're interested in, and it's so much easier to continuously learn about something that you're actually interested in, as opposed to sort of it being a hard slog because you never really wanted to do this. So I think they're the two sort of um, tracks that I would take in relation to um, into looking at how you will identify the skills. I think you're right, Evelyn. I think it really need it, it is needs driven. It's about what do we need for the organization? What do we need for the individual? What do we need for the team we're working at? When I'm talking with people about education and upskilling, I always say to them, if you don't know why you're doing it, you're probably not going to get the most out of it. So if you're going to learn about soft skills because you've moved into a leadership position, that's the right way to do it. Maybe if you're a bit more a junior in your career or you're moving across to a different role, maybe you're taking a look at those technical skills just to kind of get yourself prepared. And it really is important to think about it that way, isn't it? It's about what are we trying to achieve? And I like that you mentioned about the, the no job for life and the, the retirement getting pushed out because what we learn changes over our careers, depending on what role you're in, what age you're at. And so there's a lot of options for people out there. What should they look at when they're thinking about a course of action that they see and they're saying, that might be the one for me? How do they assess if it's right for them? Oh, lovely question. Take a little bit of time to think about what you want to learn and why. OK, so 
like myself recently when I took over as company secretary in IOB and I have a, a wide portfolio across governance. So I've got the compliance programs and I've got the culture program and I've got the executive education programs. And I thought to myself, you know, what what could I do that would really, I suppose, enhance me and make me better at what I'm doing? And that's what drew me to say the, the, the governance, the Chartered Governance Institute to do their exams. But when you're considering that, so the first thing is, you know, what's the area you want to upskill in and why and know why? Like, is it for yourself? Is it for your job? Is it for you just want to broaden your own mind? First thing. Second thing is you've got to decide what form of learning will suit you best now. So, as I said, we start the whole way from the, the, the bite sized pieces of learning the whole way through to the big MSc where you're two years part time undertaking a programme or in, in other institutions, you know, if, if people at, at younger stages in their career, maybe still take full time. But all of IOB's eight and a half, nine thousand students a year are working full time and undertaking the education on a part time basis. So we see learners maybe start. It's really interesting. The Irish universities and UCD have recently launched uh, micro credentials whereby they have set out a whole load of different programs that you can do. And basically, they've introduced now the concept of stacking so that you could maybe undertake a module, a five credit module, and then you could go and do another five credit module. And they're introducing the ability to stack these so that maybe at the end of doing three or four different ones, you could get a certificate or a diploma. So it's modular built and then you're creating your own program out of it. And that's an area that we expect to see expanding massively. And what that's feeding into is that while it's it's great to see, you know, a middle or a senior executive in, in the, a compliance professional deciding that they're going to come and take the MSc in compliance. And we're seeing a lot more of that. And that's fantastic. We're also seeing people recognize that, you know, they want baby steps first. They want something that they can do on their walk, maybe, you know, out at lunchtime on the hybrid days when they're working from home. So that could be a half hour podcast. So it's socializing yourself with the content and socializing yourself with the area of interest. And then maybe stepping forward into, you know, maybe taking one of the skills programs or, you know, maybe if you find that every time you open the, the Compliance Institute ICQ, you're drawn to the same article to read first, you're drawn to one particular area. So interest is, is the first thing. Second thing is think about how you want to learn and think about the commitment that you're, you're able to give at the moment. So, you know, if you're at home with young kids and you're at a very sort of, you know, you, you've limited time commitments, you know, build that in and be realistic about it. But the most important thing is be willing to challenge yourself, be willing to actually say, I'm never actually going to be totally in the right place to take this on. It is always a challenge and get the support around you from your colleagues, get the support around you from uh, work. If you go into your work and talk to your manager and say, look, I'm really interested in doing this. Will you support me in doing it? Support isn't all financial. Financial is obviously very important for people, but support is also about just their actual commitment and support because, you know, you might have an assignment coming up or you might want to take an hour off to, to attend a lecture or do something and explain to them why. Like if, if you do meet any resistance, explain, you know, this is going to improve my understanding. This is going to help me do my job better. So, as I said, find the type of learning that you want to do, which goes the whole way up from the bite sized pieces the whole way through to your accredited programs. Think about your own time commitment, but definitely 
channel your energies into things that you that engage you that that you are interested in and when I was working in UCD I was well, 13 to 15 years there full time and I'm still there part time and nerdy as this might sound I never ever considered myself going to work and the job I'm doing now I really love and I don't consider it going to work. I think you only have to go to work sometimes and you think of it as a difficult thing when maybe you're not fully engaged. So, yeah, that, that, that's my tip for the day, Rob. I like that one. Well, what was it um, they say? If you love your job, you'll never work a day in your life again. Yeah, yeah, but it's sort of true. Like we still all have like difficult days and, you know, times when you have to do things that you don't necessarily want to do because everybody is that part of it. But like the, the core element of it has to be something that drives you. And, and, and that's the same, isn't it, about whether it be your job or the piece of education or training that you're taking. If you don't find it interesting, if you don't find it useful, it's just going to be a burden and no one will want to do that. You kind of have to find that little bit of interest in it. But I balance that very much with don't be afraid to challenge yourself. You know, we, we do. People come to us and they say, oh, you know, I'm interested in it, but I'm not sure if it's the right time for me. But you know, IOB, our whole mission is about delivering education to people that are working full time. Compliance Institute is the same, supporting our members working in their roles. So set yourself a challenge to actually learn something new or do something different at different periods. And it's it's amazing how rewarding it is. It's 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 hugely rewarding and enriching when you actually complete something. We we referred earlier to the graduation and that's obviously the pinnacle of it, but it it doesn't have to be at any level when you complete something, it's very rewarding. I think you're right. It really is about setting yourself up for success. And and that's that's about thinking about what stage of your career you're in what your personal life looks like and your time commitments there. And you also raised a really, really good point. It's also about working with your employer, making sure that you have their support because there's going to be deadlines. There's going to be assessments. It's not, it's not going to be a walk in the park, but you can absolutely make it a lot easier by letting other people know that you're doing it while you're doing it. And that by the end of this month, for example, you're going to need a little bit of slack because of the time. So I, I think for me, that's one of the big lessons I'm taking home from this one. Just even encouragement if you're heading into the weekend and you're heading off to lectures and someone else is going to the rugby match. You know, it's just sometimes just encouragement that it's worth it and that, you know, that you have that support. I think that can be really important to people. Absolutely. You don't want to be the only one in the office saying, well, this weekend I spent my time hitting the books and everyone else is saying they enjoyed the sun. You want them smiling back saying, hey, well done, Evelyn. Well done, Rob. You guys did something better than us at the weekend. (laughs) So now let's begin to wrap it up, Evelyn. For the listeners at home, where can they go? What, where can they find out more information about their next upskilling or learning move? So I would advise you, first of all, to come to both our websites. So come to the Institute of Banking, iob.ie. As I said, we have launched a new learning platform. So if you're a member of IOB, and, and many of our listeners will be, as I said, like we've 34,000 members across financial services. So when you go on that platform, you will find that there's various channels so you can identify the area of interest. And then within that channel, you'll see everything that I've been talking about from the bite-sized pieces of learning the whole way through up to the accredited courses. And the same, keep in touch with the Compliance Institute, you know, read your um, ICQ, build time build time into your diary to actually spend 
five or 10 minutes, you know, and I, I remember before when I was involved in Compliance Institute, we, we, we did a bit of research and we saw that the, um, the most top, popular time to read the ICQ was a Tuesday afternoon, Rob. So you can follow that up and see if that's still the same. But I think to, to actually put that time in your diary, there are amazing courses out there. There's amazing courses supported by Skillnet. There's amazing courses supported by Springboard available to everybody. But carve out that little bit of space for yourself and actually go on the websites. We do the work for you. We curate the content. We bring it there to you. We have the insights there for the areas that we think that are relevant to you in your roles and what you're doing now. And I know Compliance Institute is doing the same. So, so that's my advice, complianceinstitute.ie and iob.ie. And put that little bit of time in your diary to actually have a cup of coffee and have a look at what's out there. And I think if you did that every week, you'd be amazed at how much you'd build up. Brilliant. Grab a cup of coffee, do it over lunch, half an hour, well spent. Evelyn, yeah. thank you so much for your time today talking about this great topic. Thanks, Rob. It's been a pleasure. And to our audience at home, thank you for listening to the Compliance Files podcast brought to you by the Compliance Institute. I do hope that you found this podcast interesting and useful. Now, we'd also be very grateful if you would review or rate this podcast. And until the next time, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Compliance Files. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening to ensure you don't miss out on future episodes.